0: So I was finishing up service of 11 years as full-time youth pastor at this certain congregation. They were throwing a a celebration for my years of service and my boss, who I didn't get along with, told me that because of budget cuts, the typical celebration was going to have to be downgraded due to budget constraints. And so instead of having a, a goodbye party with a cake, they had to downgraded to cookies instead now I will tell you after serving there for 11 years like pouring my soul into the work I felt so hurt by that in fact that hurt turned into anger and I wanted to express where those cookies could go but I didn't and the worst part of that story is I found out later that that my supervisor in a local church who told me that actually made up that story that there was supposed to be a cake there, but there wasn't. And because of the animosity that existed between us, I was told something that wasn't true, which made that hurt even deeper. As you listen to this, if you're serving in ministry, and you have for any amount of time, you've gone through a hurt or a pain, that that may sound trivial to you, but for me, that was that was a wound that took me a long time to overcome. Not just what happened, but the lie behind it. Today, as you listen to this, we want to talk specifically about one way that you can stay healthy in ministry and keep your soul safe and pure for the long haul. That's what we're going to talk about today in this episode. I'm Jeff Eckert.
1: I'm Jason Brewer. And this is The Thought Factory. The Thought Factory podcast. Is brought to you by Never the Same, cultivating students through biblical discipleship and spiritual disciplines using theology, community, and technology. Learn more at neverthesame.org.
0: Jason, good to be with you on this episode. I'm excited about this one.
1: Hey, thanks. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad that I can listen to your voice and we can share this conversation together. And that we are able to be friends.
0: Wow, that was...
1: It escalated quickly in my mind.
0: (laughs) Hey, this is a series of episodes that are some of our most, maybe even our most practical for local church youth ministry. And so we want to encourage you to listen to this particular series of episodes if you're wanting to get ideas, especially during kind of this great pause that we're experiencing as we record this here at the end of the year 2020 and this could be an episode that's not just good for you but to share with other team members on your your staff or youth ministry team whether they be volunteers or um or in professional youth ministry as in any level of leadership but last episode we spent some specific time talking about how to grow your ministry spiritually before that jason we talked about how to grow your ministry numerically what do you do what's the number one thing you can do to bring more students and get them engaged in your ministry and then the first episode in this series we talked about is the number one way you can build a winning culture. So all these episodes really are, are super relevant and practical on the youth ministry, local church end of things.
1: The previously recorded talks that you had are about five to six, maybe seven minutes long, and we are just interjecting more thought, more depth into every talk throughout this entire series so that it gives a little bit more breadth to what we are talking about but you can also take some of these snippets and say this is a good concept i want to share this in a five minute presentation to your your collective youth ministry leaders um, but really this is for you for you to stay healthy and to grow in not only numerically but spiritually and to create a culture that is winning at your church you know
0: i'm finding a there's a lot of what feels like losing out there right now. And this was before and during COVID, where it seems like youth ministry as a movement is is really not doing as well, you know, historically as it has in the past. There's lots of reasons for that. I think one of the reasons is our approach to it. I think we've focused sometimes on things that have distracted us from, from the work that we're doing. And... In this conversation, Jason, overall in the last few episodes, we've been talking about the difference between leadership and culture. You can be a great leader in a terrible culture, or you can be a mediocre leader in a great culture, and it's a totally different experience and environment.
1: Culture can definitely magnify your leadership, and it also can diminish it as well if the culture is just not ripe. And how do we create that culture that allows you to do great things, and to win, quote-unquote, with students.
0: And the next episode we're going to do to conclude this series of of conversations is the number one thing worth fighting for in youth ministry. And we're sharing this with a combined about 45 years of experience. If we could boil it down to one thing, we're going to share that in the next episode. What is the one thing that we believe that's worth fighting for? So that's an episode you do not want to miss and before we get into the the meat and potatoes here jason of this episode one quick reminder if you have not getting this gotten, you eaten? gotten? Digga digga <laughs> if you have not picked up your free download of our adolescence in the church trend report we want to encourage you it's a beautiful 20 page document you can download for free that will give you the latest stats on students and what they're thinking and believing their beliefs about things like Social media and their connection to the church and their connection to faith or life on campus. Really, uh, an in depth and behind the scenes look into the beliefs and the behaviors of Gen Z. So, Jason, where's that available?
1: NevertheSame.org slash trend report. NevertheSame.org slash trend report. If you are looking for just some material, some quick leadership things, if you're looking for what students are saying in regards to culture or faith and you just want to disseminate that to your leaders, this is a great resource. So we highly recommend you just going to neverthesame.org trendreport and getting that gift for free.
0: I set a goal for myself years ago to run a marathon. So in the year 2015, I ran my first and right now to this day only marathon. And that was a huge deal for me. And over the time of training, it was interesting to just build up your mileage and, and just get accustomed to doing that, to running 26.2, I think it is.
1: Um, just to clarify, you are correct, 26.2 miles. How many run.
0: marathons have you run, Jason?
1: I've ran three okay. full marathons, a lot of half marathons or 25K distance.
0: Now, I prepared for months, but... What's the shortest you've ever prepared for a marathon? Oh, man. (laughs) Six weeks? Yeah, you punk.
1: (laughs) I would say, yeah, starting maybe, maybe eight weeks, but a full training was about six to eight weeks.
0: Impressive. But I noticed the day of the race, there was this point in the race where there was like a full marathon and then at the same time there's a half marathon and the first you know, section of the race you're all together and then there's that peel off. And let me tell you, man, I wanted to peel off when it came to that sign that said go this way for just doing the 13 miles. And
1: um, I actually experienced the opposite. I was running a half marathon and I was running and I came to that peel off where I needed to go this way if I was going for the half marathon. I really wanted to go the full marathon. So you're such a punk. (laughs) But I knew I would probably collapse.
0: I doubt it. I (laughs) doubt it.
1: It It was a year when I trained for the full marathon, but I didn't get in. I was running half marathon with a friend, and my friend was running, and he was turning, and I wanted to just keep going See but, a
0: lot of you listening you've never seen jason in person he weighs the exact same he did in high school pretty much pretty much you're like bruce springsteen baby
1: you're born to run oh that was pretty good i didn't know where you're going with that <laughs> reference <laughs> i was like i don't even wear denim
0: i just made it up uh if my daughter wasn't with me i may have done that but over that course of that race seeing people drop out from exhaustion or maybe they just weren't prepared or trained It got me to thinking about the hundreds of ministry leaders I've seen over the years that have dropped out along the way. And there's one overwhelming reason why they all did, and I want to talk about that today. They all had one thing in common for the reason that they dropped out. And I want to share that with you because I don't want to see you be one of those leaders that are dropping out of ministry because you are so important to what you're doing in kingdom work.
1: Are we gonna try to guess this one reason? Are we gonna hold them into suspense? Well, what do you think? One reason why they dropped out was because the paycheck wasn't large enough.
0: Mm, no. No. That's up there, though. Okay. So. I mean, that determines things. but... Okay.
1: So if it was family feud, it would make it would make the board, but it'd probably make the board. But it's just wouldn't, not the top answer. Be number one. Yeah. I'm looking for number one. Number one that they dropped out because their library the books that were on their shelf wasn't large enough
0: that would not make the board definitely N- no it didn't no. make the board no. okay
1: no. good answer good, yeah, answer. good answer. <laughs> answer yeah
0: yeah <laughs> nice try no nope i wish they'd be honest on family feud <laughs> that was go, an awful answer that was really dumb <laughs> what are you thinking you must really coach him well for that show because everybody else is thinking it
1: Everyone's clapping the same. They all, yeah, good answer, good answer.
0: And just in case, we're on a tangent here, but if you've never seen it, go on YouTube and look up Family Feud Mommy, and uh, you'll enjoy
1: it. I will have to look after this episode.
0: So what I want to talk to you today about is the number one principle to stay healthy in your ministry. And... Again, I want to say that if you're healthy, you'll create a a culture of health. And culture, it surpasses leadership. And what I mean by that is the culture that you create will impact lives more than the things that you say or do. And a culture, again, it's the environment created by the beliefs and the behavior of a community. So what was the thing that all these leaders had in common that dropped out? Well, they all had one thing in common. They were serving in the wrong direction. You may say, what do you mean by that? I want to flesh that out for you because if you're serving in the wrong direction, eventually you're going to come to a place where you're going to drop out for maybe several different reasons why, because of the direction you're going. But here's my question for you. This is the most important question for you to consider right now. Who are you serving? Who are you serving? Because how you answer this question will define the strength and the length of of your ministry. Who are you serving?
1: Do we want to go a little bit deeper on that question? Who are we serving?
0: Who are you serving? It's, like I said, it will define the strength and the length of your ministry. Over the years, I've observed that leaders that get this question wrong, that don't understand, that don't have the perspective of understanding who actually they are serving. We're going to dive into a little bit more in this talk, but to give you a preview, it's not a person. You're not serving a person, and when your expectations are set on the fact that you're serving a person, and you hear people say it all the time, well, I I serve students, like in youth work, we go, I serve students, um, and they may not understand what they're saying, but and it's more than semantics. Saying that is actually biblically wrong, because you're not. Serving students Because if you are Your expectations will rise and fall On their response and reaction To your service So if they don't like it Or don't understand it Or they don't welcome it um, And even if they do The opposite is true as well If they embrace it and love it and um, Then that puts you in another position That's not really healthy either Because then you develop this unhealthy relationship to the ministry because you're getting feedback and you're believing your own press, so to speak.
1: And you make decisions based on saying, well, I'm doing it for the sake of the students. Yeah. It's it's a different way of saying I'm serving the students.
0: Yeah. So if they like it, I want to do it. And if they don't, then I won't do it. And it's, it's bigger than that. It reminds me of John chapter 12. This is one of the most beautiful passages to me because we get John's firsthand insight and knowledge of these very intimate moments in the life and teachings and ministry of Jesus in the Gospels. In the Gospel of John chapter 12, John recounts this moment and this little scene where there's a party being thrown and Mary and Martha are, are throwing this party because Jesus had just raised their brother Lazarus from the dead. So they're doing this as a celebration and also as a way of saying thank you to Jesus. And in the middle of this, if you know the story, Mary enters the room, crosses all these cultural and gender barriers and goes in and performs this beautiful sacrifice for Jesus where she takes her most expensive gift and offers it to Jesus. And in verse 3 of John chapter 12, we read this, Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet, and she wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Wow, that to me is one of the most significant little details in Scripture. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. I've tried to mentally picture myself being there. John, as he's recounting this, could smell it, I'm sure, in his in his memories, like what that smelled like. We know from the Scripture that it was worth over a year's wages this This gift, this perfume that Mary offered Jesus. Why is that significant to us today? Here's why. Because Mary was offering her gift to Jesus to say, thank you. Mary was saying, thank you. That's really what needs to motivate us in ministry, is we're not doing it for the praise of people. We're doing it as as a response to God himself, saying, thank you for what you've done for me. That's really foundational, and that's what we see with Mary in John 12. It's beautiful because she recognizes that Jesus had raised her brother Lazarus from the dead, just what's recorded in the chapter before in in John 11. And now she's saying, Jesus, I want to personally and sacrificially say thank you. That's what should motivate us to serve him in ministry.
1: And in the encouragement to figure out what we are thankful for in a sense of what God has done in our life and sometimes we can jump into ministry because of certain reasons or certain person that had made an impact in our life and and we would now want to make an impact in other people's lives specifically students but have we thought through what God has done for us to be thankful for and not just of take that for granted.
0: I want you to think about who you're offering your gift to, because when I talk about serving in the wrong direction, here's where we can get off track so quickly, and here's where I've gotten off track, and I don't want you to do what I've done. I've learned the hard way. If we're offering our gift to our parents, or to our students, or to our pastors, or boards, or whoever else, you pick the audience. If it's anyone other than Jesus We're serving in the wrong direction. I hear people say this, it's funny. uh, I notice that when people say it, they go, well, I'm serving my students, if if they're in youth ministry like we are. And I think to myself, actually, you may be just saying that, but that's actually really factually wrong, or it shouldn't be truth that we're serving them. We're actually serving on their behalf. And there's a big difference between those two things, because if we're offering our gift to our students, you know what? They're not gonna understand most of the time what we're doing for them or if we're offering it to parents and families or our leadership in our ministries, if we're doing it for them, they're not going to understand, or appreciate it. And I want you to think about John 12.
1: I even think of how often we throw this around. It's a thankless job. It's you don't get the thanks from the students and all that stuff. And that can really eat at your own, uh, soul in a sense where you do all this stuff for the students and, they go off and graduate and may never hear from them again. And you don't get the thanks. You don't get the accolades. You don't get the praise or the appreciation. And if that's your motivation, I can understand why people burn out and drop out because it's like, well, I'm doing all this work for them and there's no thanks.
0: And that that's really a, the greatest source of disappointment is Is serving in the wrong direction because when you when you serve in the wrong direction your disappointment level is attached to it isn't it like you said you know where you go oh they don't understand you know like you can pour your guts out into a meeting like you know teaching for youth group meeting and students walk away and go man that was terrible you know you hear their feedback or you hear the conversation or you get a phone call from an angry parent and they don't and you can you can start to feel sorry for yourself and you go, I've done all this for them and they don't appreciate it. And again, that, that you're serving in the wrong direction because when you start to feel that disappointment, because the one person that will never be disappointed is God. He'll never be disappointed in what we offer to him if we're doing it, you know, out of purity and we're doing it as a way of saying thank you. Because what I say to leaders all the time, Jason, is that you will be discouraged you'll experience pain you'll be misunderstood you'll be betrayed you'll be the target of people's attacks even all those things will happen and it's what you do in response to it because that you can become wounded and undervalued and disappointed and that leads to two roads you can either quit And become critical and cynical and you can feel sorry for yourself and you can allow your heart to grow cold or you can become tougher you can become more tenacious you can choose to show grace and mercy and you can allow your heart to grow stronger through it
1: and even if our expectation is to meet the higher leadership's expectation and We are striving for that or we're like, man, don't they realize what's going on in the ministry and they just don't understand. They don't understand the amount of work that I put into this or or they are only looking at certain aspects of the ministry and they don't really know the picture of the ministry. It can also cause you to be discouraged because you're trying to meet somebody else's expectation. And so when they don't even pay attention to you or they aren't looking as close of attention as you hope that they would then you get discouraged, and that that can also lead your thoughts down the road of, man, I am, I am too good for this place, or I can't handle this anymore.
0: All the people in that house, in that room, the teachers of the law, even the disciples did not understand or appreciate what Mary was doing. But who did understand, who did appreciate? Jesus understood it, and he appreciated it. And he honored Mary for her gift. And that's my question for you is, Who are you serving? Because if you're serving people, you're going to be disappointed and eventually you end up, like many of those leaders, maybe cynical, critical, negative, and out of the game. You're needed in ministry. So think about who you're serving. Do you love the Lord of the work or the work of the Lord? Reminds me of a friend of mine, Darren, the person that I founded NTS Camp with, Darren Campbell. He shared with me a few years ago that he always pictured himself as a pastor with God behind him. And he would hear from God and then he would share with his people. And then he heard the Holy Spirit whisper to him something very significant. He said, Darren, I want you to turn around and face me and your people are behind and you're serving me and they're watching. And that's the picture of ministry where you're serving in the right direction. So again, my question, who are you serving? Because how you answered that question will define the strength and length of your ministry. Over the years, I've seen so many leaders, as I said, they've jettisoned their positions. And overwhelmingly, it's from being misunderstood and disappointed, where something happened, and it just broke them at that moment. It was a moment of weakness, maybe where their guard was down or whatever. And, you know... I will tell you, Jason, that for the first few years, many years of of serving in ministry, I would really feel really bad for them. And and I would really empathize and and get defensive of them. And I would tell you something in me changed probably about ten, fifteen years ago, where I heard enough of these stories of people go, Yeah, I'm just burned out, and I just quit. I'm done. I'm tired of being hurt. And I thought to myself the number of times that I've been misunderstood and hurt and betrayed and experienced pain and was wounded. And I started playing those and I go, Man, I've been through, and some of these I just comparing them in my mind, I go, Man, I've been through a lot worse than they have. And what's kept me in? And I'm not saying I'm better than them, but here's my response now when people say that is I, if I, the better I know them, the more I can do this. But I get in their face and I go, So let me get this straight. You were hurt and you felt called by God to do this, and you're allowing someone who hurt you to stand in the way of your calling, of what God wants you to do. And and especially if that person is small-minded and maybe cynical themselves. So you're allowing a small-minded, cynical person to derail you from your life's work. So I just want to hear this straight. And when I put it in that perspective and frame it that way, there's usually a much different response. And I think that's the case. I think if you're listening to this and you have, are feeling burnt out and hurt, then let me encourage you. You're looking in the wrong place for your affirmation.
1: This concept has been in my mind ever since you've presented this. And this is something that we also teach our teams at NTS camp as well, because sometimes the, the act of service can be, um, Glorifying, or it's like, man, this is my duty. I want to serve. I want to be involved. I want to just pour back into maybe a camp that has poured so much into me, and 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 then they come onto our team and travel with us for the summer, and they get disillusioned. They don't realize how much work goes into putting on an experience like NTS camp, and they don't realize all the hours that they are committed to do this work just so that students can see a sliver of of what we have planned and if they are trying to serve the students or or they're in it for a selfish reason they get really disillusioned and really discouraged very quickly because there is a lot of work that goes into it a lot of travel a lot of late nights and all that stuff and little breaks and you're outside and you're tired and And the concept of who are you serving? When you start to point them back to God and and say, turn around and serve God. It has reminded me in those long days, it has reminded me in times when it's like, man, this is tough. And you go, this is not going to derail my calling that God has on me. I want to continue serving. And we have to remind others who are we serving? Who are they serving? Um, Because when you, are serving a person you will get disappointed if you are serving a group of people you will get disappointed it may be the best group that you've had in your entire length of ministry these student leaders are the best and we are just soaring well they're going to graduate and they're going to move on and a new group is coming through so are you not going to serve the new group because they're not the old group and they weren't the best who are you serving
0: mary's example in this passage too is so Profound because she left having given the most in that room. I mean, she was misunderstood. No one understood what she was doing except Jesus, which is amazing and beautiful and wonderful. But she also left giving the most valuable thing. She gave up a year's wages. But I would say, I think it's easy conjecture to read between the lines of this passage and say, she left the most joy-filled. She left the most empty, but the most full. And what I say to people is, if you go into worship wanting to be filled, you'll leave empty. But if you go into worship wanting to be emptied, you'll be filled. And there's a paradox there, but when it comes to serving, if we go in and and we are just saying thank you, and we are emptying ourselves, then all of a sudden we'll be filled up and Our encouragement to you today as you hear this episode is if you want to stay healthy if you want to stay in long term if you want to run the marathon of ministry then you have to be serving in the right direction and that that question who are you serving take a good look in the mirror and ask yourself who have my eyes been set upon in in the world of youth ministry and youth work Maybe it's been your parents, your board, your adult leader team, your students themselves, maybe even yourself, or your family, or your spouse, or whatever. Take it off all those things and say, can I put my focus on God as the recipient of my service?
1: The Thought Factory podcast is brought to you by Never the Same, whose vision is to see new generations transformed in Christ to further the kingdom of God. Learn more at NeverTheSame.org